my name is Gary Miracle. Uh, I am 40 years old. I live in Florida. I have four beautiful kids. Two years ago, I got sick and I uh, everything changed for me. Miracle is not a stage name, but the real last name of the most appropriately named man after he survived a deadly blood infection in 2019 that ravaged his body. Before getting sick, the Pontiac native was an extremely healthy and athletic sales associate and crew member for the Christian band Mercy Me. Today, he's known for his cross-country inspirational talks and his work with the Kind Limb Foundation, a charity that strives to improve the lives of children who have lost limbs. When Gary ran a two-mile race last fall, there were news trucks in droves. That's because Gary is a quadruple amputee who never should have survived. I am. I joke and say that I am half the man I used to be, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but if a small group of inventive students at Notre Dame Prep School have anything to do with it, soon he will be what he calls half the man with a really powerful hand. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Ave Maria Mutual Funds. Visit them at AveMariaFunds.com to learn more about responsible Catholic investing. The infection came out of nowhere. So it was right after Christmas, 2019, uh, I, uh, I started feeling sick and uh, I ended up going to the emergency room um, to get checked out because I wasn't feeling well. And, uh, you know, they, they chalked me up to having the flu and kind of sent me on my way. Well, through a series of, of events um, in between Christmas and New Year's, I went back and forth to the emergency room four times because um, things just kept getting worse and I just wasn't feeling better. And then it was uh, New Year's Eve 2019. Uh, they admitted me into the hospital finally and I was falling into septic shock. I ended up um, being airlifted from uh, the hospital I was at to another hospital in Orlando, Florida, who had a specific machine that, that we were trying to get me on called the ECMO machine. Um, so it was actually, it was 11 p.m. on New Year's Eve, 2019. So literally one hour before Happy New Year, <laughs> um, everything started going down for me very quickly. And I'm a very competitive person. so. Uh, when it comes down to it, I think I just got a one-hour head start on all of our crappy lives of 2020. <laughs> I just I just wanted to say that I won. I beat everybody to the punch. Gary's blood pressure was dangerously low, and he was having multi-organ failure. He was given a 1.7 chance of survival. It was 7.18 a.m. on January 1st, 2020. I was, I was in the hospital bed, and... Uh, family, nurses, doctors, everybody was in the room in the ICU unit and all the machines started beeping, the really long beep and, and I died and I was laying on the hospital bed um, actually for just over 11 minutes laying there lifeless. Um, and they got all my family out of the room 
um, doctors and nurses just went to work on me pretty hard. And uh, it was shortly after that, they came out to the waiting room. My family started screaming, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, assuming that the doctors were going to tell them that I was gone. Uh, but they got down on the floor and leaned up uh, with my family, and, and they whispered, we found a slight pulse. Gary was rushed to surgery and put on life support. He was in a coma for 10 days. During this time, Gary was losing the use of his limbs. The ECMO machine Gary was on to save his life took all the blood, oxygen, and circulation from the extremities and pumped it into his core to maintain his organs. Most people who need the machine are kept on it for about 24 hours, 48 at the most. Gary was on it for 10 days, and his limbs started dying. Uh, actually, the two medical terms they used for my extremities, the first one was necrotic. My, my skin and my muscles and my tissue, everything just started going necrotic and just started dying. The second term that they used, which I didn't think was a medical term at the time, but it was mummified. Um, uh, my arms and legs, they say, started turning into a mummy. They were pitch black and they were hard as a rock. You could literally take a hammer and hit my arms and legs and it would sound like you were hitting concrete. It was, it was that bad. Both of Gary's hands were amputated on the same day. A week later, his leg was amputated. And then a month later, his other leg. Doctors were able to save his joints, which drastically improved his quality of life. But his right leg is still not healed and has an open wound to this day that causes Gary significant pain. From the time they found a pulse until January 10th um, is when I woke up from my coma and slowly started learning uh, the gravity of my situation and, and what all was happening to my body and what all was going to happen to my body. I promise you that I am not some super Christian Sunday school answer kind of guy. But um, when, I, when I was pulled aside and, and I learned of the amputations and I learned about what was going to happen, the first thing that kept ringing true uh, in my mind and, and the thing that I kept thinking about over and over and over again was the, the verse in the Bible in the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 21, that says, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Um, and all of my life, the Lord has given me so much. He's given me everything I could have ever wanted or needed. Um, but right now in my life, it was just taking away time. It was time for, for him to take away my, my hands and my legs. When Notre Dame Prep High School students heard this story, they were given the seemingly insurmountable task of inventing a product to make this man's life easier. Something that was part of the curriculum for their engineering and empathy class. They were daunted. What could they, a bunch of high schoolers without engineering experience, do to help a man with no arms and legs? But for the groundbreaking class that is now in its third year, these questions are part of the norm. The stakes are huge. The supplies are nothing you could find at your local staples. The payoff is the potential ease of a person living with extreme difficulty. And the tests are non-existent. It's far from your typical pen and paper class. So Engineering and Empathy is um, based off of a program called Project Invent. This is the class's teacher, Louise Pilardi, who has a background in chemical engineering 
and has been teaching the class for three years. Project Invent is, um, is a program based off of the, the design thinking process. So it's kind of like the design, uh, the regular design process, but design thinking starts out with empathy. So it starts out with people, not just starts out with the product. When Notre Dame started offering the class two years ago, they were one of only 13 schools in the nation to have it. The curriculum offers training, resources, and experiences to support real-world learning experience in classrooms. The aim for the Engineering and Empathy course, then, is not just to equip students with the skills to design, invent, and market a product, but to encounter the person who inspired such a product in the first place. They do not engineer without the person in mind. And for the class this year, one of those people was Gary Miracle. So um, this year, um, Project Invent set up um, community partners. So a big part of the program is in the very beginning, the students interview people um, that have different needs and they come up with um, an invention that they want to, or, or a problem that they're having that they want to try to solve through a technological invention. And this year, Project Invent set up community partners for us that we could interview through Zoom. Last year, Gary Zoomed the students, shared his story, and answered their questions so they could get a better idea of his needs and what product would best serve him. This is Chris Golly, a senior and one of the students in the class. I was, I was really surprised um, on the call with Gary about how quickly things in people's lives can change because, I mean, he was just a normal guy. Um, enjoying his life and then he fell into septic shock out of nowhere and um, ha had all of his limbs cut off pretty much. Now he's a quad amputee so um, it was just it was shocking to kind of see and talk to a person whose life changed so quickly. This is Walter DeCasas, another senior in the class. My biggest takeaway was just not to you know take for granted the blessings that I have, that I'm able to use my four limbs every day. And uh, it's just kind of motivated me to even, you know, strive to do better and be able to use my advantages that I have um, to be able to help them out. The students weren't the only ones impressed. Well, I don't know how much of my story they already knew, but when I was on the call with them, it was, it was so great because it was a little bit less about my story and what happened to me and more about kind of the questions that you're asking, just life. Like, what, what are you doing now? Like, how, how are you living life? How can we help? What can we do? Um, so we kind of dove right in to just a bunch of questions about what they can do for me or with me. Um, and then that was it. So it was, it wasn't that much sharing um, of my story, which was kind of, a little bit refreshing in a way for me. They just wanted to know how to link arms with me and, and do life. Learning about the particulars of Gary's life post-sickness revealed that Gary's reassuring calm and joviality about his situation were by no means an attempt to minimize the suffering and discouragement he's faced since he left the hospital. The minute tasks that had pieced his life together before the illness had become mountainous challenges. So my goal, something that I set for myself, is I, I wanted to start and accomplish one household task a day when I got out of the hospital. Um, and I know this doesn't really sound like a household task, but the first thing that I did was um, 
and, and practice that was trying to plug my cell phone in at the end of the day so it could charge at the end of the day so it would charge overnight. Um, and I remember waking up and, and starting that process of trying to practice and something that used to take me two seconds, you know, pick up the phone cable, plug it into your phone and put your phone on your bedside table and go to bed. Um, the first time I tried to do it, it took me three hours um, just to plug my phone into the charger. And I remember being in my bedroom, sitting on the side of my bed, just weeping and and being so angry and crying and sweating like crazy. I was so hot because uh, I was so focused on doing that. And and a, but three hours later, I was able to do it. Um, and then I had to unplug it and try again. And then the next time it took me like two hours and 20 minutes or something like that. And, and eventually it's to the point now where I'm able to go to bed and grab the cable and plug my phone in in 10 seconds, just like I used to. Um, but it was just that, that practice and that, that fight to figure it out. Um, I remember practicing, you know, changing clothes, putting clothes in the washing machine, putting dishes in the dishwasher. You know, those are all daily daily things that I would practice and, and I, I would would challenge myself not to move on to the next task until I mastered the one that I was on. This reality Gary described is what set the students' gears in motion. They brainstormed, they prototyped, they did market research, and then they landed on their product. Here's Louise describing it. Something to attach to the end of his stump to almost not really be like a hand, but just a little... Um, like a little knob with a hole in the middle that he could insert tools to take care of himself, like a toothbrush or a comb or a pen or a stylus to use the computer. So it's going to be a, like an attachment that hooks on the end of a stump with a little um, hole in it that you could attach a tool to. So they're going to have like a tool set that you would typically use with your hands that he could use with his stump. Currently, the students are working with computer engineers on prototypes for Gary's tool set, at which point they will pitch it to a group of investors with the hopes that it will catch their eye. This year, Louise applied for grants with Project Invent to cover the cost of supplies for her class's six different inventions. But regardless of whether or not the inventions lure investors, the class has already succeeded in its mission. So the first day, you know, I tell them that they're going to create a technological invention and, you know, to make somebody else's life better. And I think in the beginning, they kind of think, you know, well, what, what could I use? What could I do myself? You know, what, how could I make my life better? And as soon as they interview um, the community partner, the, pers- the person we're partnering with, they are all invested. They are totally invested in making that person's life better. There's nothing I need to do at that point. Both of our interviews that we had, the students were so inspired after talking and meeting the person that they wanted, they want to help them. And they realize, I think they surprise themselves that they are capable and they can help somebody else. Here's Chris again. I, I like the whole mission of the, um, of the class. And I, I appreciated how we got to connect with people that actually had disabilities and struggles in their life. And we could like experience it firsthand and connect with them and kind of empathize with them and understand what they go through. And then we were help we I appreciated that we were actually able to talk to them and kind of understand what they were going through and formulate a solution or an attempted solution to the problem. So I liked how we got firsthand experience with it. It's really just a special opportunity and truly really good experience to 
be able to see other people's struggles and actually work with them and understand like what they go through and what could actually help them. And I know there's a lot of bright students in the school. So um, just putting their brain to use and being able to actually help people and see a difference that they can make, I, I think it's really, um, they can really make a difference. This knowledge that they can help someone can actually make an impact while taught through a STEM lens has larger social justice implications that can be taken outside of the classroom. And it's in this mission field that Gary hopes to make an impact as well. So this is where I get really excited about my story um, because I try to flip the script on people. We all have struggles, like that's just life, right? So we all have struggles. And I try to, to emphasize the fact that the only difference between me and you um, in life right now is that my struggles are visible. You can see them. You can see me struggle on a day-to-day basis. Um, if you went out to dinner with me right now, you would see how difficult it is for me to eat with a fork. And chances are I'm going to drop my fork a thousand times in that dinner because I don't have hands, right? And so it's, like, it's very easy to do so. Like you can see my struggles, but I guarantee you that if you were out to dinner with me right now and you saw me drop my fork, I probably would not even have to ask and you would bend down and you would grab my fork and pick it up and hand it back to me. Because that's like in our nature, like if you're with somebody and you see something happen, you want to step into that. But where I try to flip the script is if I can't see your struggle, if I don't know what you're struggling with, then I don't know how to pick up your fork and hand it back to you. At the heart of empathy is the knowledge that everyone goes through suffering, and it's our job, whether graded or not, to probe those in our world and ask, how can I give you a hand? Detroit Stories is a production of the Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Ave Maria Mutual Funds. Visit them at AveMariaFunds.com to learn more about responsible Catholic investing. 